been a week of 2021. I mean, is it has been a week or has it been an era? 2020 has, said, hold my beer. It just, I feel like we're at the end of um, like Friday the 13th or any sort of anything where you think the monster's dead and then it like reaches out we're and like grabs at the, you. We're like at that end of a civilization type of era. Where oh, like... that too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're at the fall of Rome yes, phase exactly. of our democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like we have to say something about the events of Wednesday, January 6th, because, because we do. And we, we do. It was awful. It was awful. It, I was really, really mad. I'm still mad. And then I got sad. And then I got mad again. That's that's about the cycle I went through. So listeners, we're recording this on the 10th. Um, so it has not been too long. Um, so it's still pretty fresh and still pretty awful. And, you know, people are still calling for the president to be impeached which i agree with i mean i want him to die in jail so well and um, people are still dying they just announced that there was another capitol hill police officer who committed suicide today and they're actually counting it as a work-related is is the right phrase but they're basically counting it as something that happened in the line of duty you live in the area i lived in the area for most of my life um in the metro area and then after I left Maryland, I lived in D.C. proper for 10 years. And so not that that means it hits us harder, but it definitely, I mean, it made me, like, I can see my old office in a lot of the video that is being released because my old office is on Black Lives Matter Plaza, right? So it's just, it it's like a gut punch of, oh, that's where I would eat my lunch. Well, it's also, it does hit differently because it's, it's your, it's my and your, is our city this is happening Mm -hmm. in our backyard and the people that were involved in this were not from here they they were all everyone everyone i've heard of of having a report of either dying having a medical emergency or being arrested was Mm -hmm. from somewhere else so Mm -hmm. it's a feeling of people invading your home and wantonly destroying it and not just that having people in authority encourage it and then open the doors to Mm -hmm. let it happen. Like, let's not even pretend there was, there's a resistance going on um, Mm -hmm. with what happened. And as soon as those yahoos made their way to the Capitol, I literally texted a friend of mine and said, someone's going to die. This is Mm -hmm. awful. This is awful. Um, And I was really mad thinking about how militarized DC looked over the summer for the black lives matter. Oh yeah, protests. they. I mean, even just. I mean, over the whole protest, but my mind immediately went to that god awful photo op where he walked to the church and oh, held a Bible yes, upside down, yes. where they tear gas protesters that weren't even that. Not. I don't think it's ever okay to tear gas protesters, but it's not like they were trying to quell violence. They wanted to clear a pathway for, for that asshole, op. and it's just. Flames, flames on the sides of my face. Thank you, Mrs. White. Yes, I agree. So many flames. And then, and then the idea, you know, I, I've told the story a million times to my friends, but I was on my way to take youngest daughter to Girl Scouts when we got the message that we were under a curfew along with DC. And Girl Scouts is outside um, this year, it's socially distanced, is you know, 
great. I was already on my way. I dropped her off. It's an hour. We would be back before curfew. And then I was, there's a grocery store across the street. I go to the grocery store during the hour. And then I was just standing in the frozen food aisle and, you know, started crying because is this real life? Is this, yeah. is this real life? And it, it is. And I feel like we're at the very beginning of a long haul of not just accountability and healing, but actually fighting for what is right. And we have been flexing those muscles a lot in the last four and a half, five years. And I think it's, I honestly just think it's going to get tougher. So rest up everybody. We got work to do. You know, no, no silence is complicity. And, um, you know, it's my old work wife, um, lives. I want to say I asked her. 13, 14 blocks from the Capitol. So she's on Capitol Hill, but she was not in the radius of people who, like, people who live, like, four blocks from the Capitol. Right. I know we're, to- we're also told to shelter in place and have quite a few um, things imposed on them. But all she could hear was sirens all day. It was incredibly scary um, to be that close and to think um, that the insurrectionists could start breaking into homes. Um, That's right. Well, you know, and, and this is also is further fuel in my mind for why D.C. should be a state because yes. D.C. had to rely on the federal government to approve calling in the National Guard, which delayed mm. a lot of things. And if D.C. was a state like every other place in the contiguous U.S., um, the mayor would have been able to do that immediately. Right. If D.C. was a state like several states that have but a fraction of its population, I mean, some people are always like, oh, well, D.C. is so small, but D.C. Oh, is, no. has more population than Wyoming, than I think Rhode Island. Like, it, you know, it. there is no reason D.C. shouldn't be a state. There's a reason our license plate said taxation without yes. representation. Was it, is it 800,000 people that live in D.C.? Oh, yeah. At least. Something like that. So... So yeah, I've had a lot of feelings this week. Yep. A lot of feeling. I tried to order a sweatshirt that literally just said feelings on it so I could be in my feelings. They were out. Everybody was feeling their feelings. Um, but when these things happen, it makes me thankful for A, friends like you. Oh. B, that we have this fun podcast that we have together. And mm-hmm. C, let's be honest, wine. Yeah, wine did help me cope a little. Um I will, I will, I'll share the tale of my very excellent, lovely uh, GP, who I like so much. And I've been telling the story a lot because I think it's so funny. I went in for my annual exam and um, was chatting with her. And she said that, you know, one of the things that she was seeing so much because of the pandemic and because of everything that's happening is uh, an increase in alcohol intake. I had expressed to her that I had put on some quarantine pounds. Who hasn't? And, among us and she is not a doctor that uh is the type that just prescribes losing 10 pounds and doesn't actually look at your health um i very much love her for that um and she goes yeah man all these people just need to switch to weed <laughs> first of all love washington state second of all listeners i call her dr weed dr weed yep dr um, weed but I, so I did say that I had increased my alcohol intake, but that I was averaging probably 
over the week, a glass of wine a night. So she was just like, I'm not concerned about that. I was like, that's what I thought. But wine has helped me cope because typically on a regular night, I'll drink some tea. I'll read. The cat curls up on my lap. Um, Sounds so nice. Lately, it's been a little bit more uh, glass of wine and reading. Cool, 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 cool. Our country is broken. Cool, 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 cool. So, so many people seem to think that as soon as Biden's inaugurated, that everything's going to go back to normal and it's all just Trump is the reason. And it's just like, no, he is the huge tumor that is metastasizing yeah. from a cancer that is not him. Um, and I think the amount of people that voted to um, contest the election results show that. Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a, it is he is he is but a gross pustule he is not the reason for the pustule agreed agreed but however i'm excited because today marks a new era new era for the podcast but don't worry you guys i am still katie and that is still mm and we are by coastal besties bonding over wine and mysteries and this is still the wine times mysteries podcast it's just going to be slightly different mysteries as we went over uh last week so this is episode 13 i was saying that i think it's very auspicious that we are starting our our new show on episode 13 but we'll be covering uh beyond belief factor fiction so excited which ran in the 90s i think into 2001 or 2002 Mm -hmm. probably should have written that down um (laughs) And was mostly hosted by your Commander Riker and mine, Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> um, although I did find out as I went to go watch season one, episode one, the first season was hosted by James Brolin. Who knew? Um, Who knew? <laughs> not I. Uh, Thanos' father himself. So... Um, <laughs> instead, we are starting with season one, episode... Season two, episode one... Because we wanted to do Frakes era because we were both so excited about so excited. the Frakes involvement. Being Frakes adjacent. Frakes adjacent. So with that, <laughs> Frakes adjacent, that's the name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish. So. Overview. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Is the title of my sex tape? <laughs> <laughs> you wish. Well, and that concludes our episode because there's no way I can top that. Okay. So just in, in on, on the off chance that there's anyone listening to this podcast, like one of the two people that listens to this podcast that doesn't know who Jonathan Frakes is. And if you're not hi, familiar. Hi, hi, Louisa. Hey. Hey. Hi, hey, Kim. What's up? I'm not saying hey to Super Husband because we all know he's not. We directly made fun of him about it last night during movie club, and he just laughed. He said, I feel like I'm on an SNL sketch where people are pressuring me to listen to a podcast. Yes, yes, basically. Okay, back to Jonathan Frakes. So, Katie, you'll be happy to know that he, much like you, shared the state of Pennsylvania in common. He was born in central Pennsylvania and grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Also, just a quick side note about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. When I was a wee lass... I met some friends of my parents, um, and they said they were from Bethlehem, 
And me being a wee lass, I thought that they were from the same Bethlehem as Jesus of Nazareth fame <laughs> and had like a mini session, like freak out starstruck session. And they were like, no, no, in no, Sylvania. No. Um, okay. He's also, I love this about him, a trombone player and played in his high school marching band. And then also played in the marching band at Penn state where he was a graduate. Why am I imagining him like, playing trombone the way Rob Lowe plays like the jazz like I think what <laughs> Rob Lowe played in St. Elmo's Fire the um saxophone yeah, and then yeah. um the way Ron Burgundy plays jazz flute, flute. that's how I'm imagining <laughs> Jonathan Frakes rocking out on the trombone heck yes while doing some fancy footwork yes oh yeah um I saw on his IMDb page that after he graduated from Penn State he went to go get a master's from Harvard, but I didn't see that on his Wikipedia page, so I don't know. Could be. I did not look him up on LinkedIn. I don't it's, know. If is he it has one. is it fact or fiction? Fact or fiction. Now, before he became the William Riker that we all know and love, he had some other very interesting jobs as he was getting into the world of acting. He went to New York to try to make it as an actor, and one of his earliest roles was uh, working for Marvel Comics, where you would appear at conventions in costume as Captain America. How much do you love that? I know you just took a giant drink. I'm sorry. You needed to know. Needed that is know. excellent. Then he, once he was in New York, he did some you know off-Broadway acting, and then he got into a few soap operas. So he was in, um, he had a recurring role on The Doctors, and then when he was uh, dismissed from that show, he ended up going out to L.A. where he had a few spots in some great shows that I watched as a child for no apparent reason because no one else of my generation would have watched these shows, such as The Waltons and <laughs> Eight is Enough, which is enough. I desperately want to go back and find those episodes. Um, and then in 1987, he was cast in the role of Commander Riker on Star Trek Next Generation. And he is one of only two actors in the series that appeared in every single episode of its run. Listeners, I have to explain something to you. We have, I believe, hit upon this in a previous episode. I was a Star Wars girl. And still am. Still love the Star Wars. Um, and back, but back when I was growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, for whatever reason, you couldn't like both. You had to pick an allegiance to Wars or Trek. And my house was a Star Wars house. So the only Star Trek that I ever saw was Next Generation. And it was, you know, watching like reruns on UPN and stuff like that. And I had the largest crush on Commander Riker. And the way that he would just sort of vault over chairs. He's just so good. He's so good. I just good. like him so much. And then after that, um, I recognized his voice because I very much loved Gargoyles, yes. which is one of the best American-made cartoons. It's so good. Even when they ran out of money in their last season and whenever they'd fly, it would just be literally a silhouette with not with wings that didn't move. And they would just sort of move the silhouette around on like a matte painting because they ran out of money. Still so good. So Jonathan Frakes played Xanatos in that series, who was their primary uh, villain for a while. But he's amazing. And I just remember his voice in that. And then also he's directed quite a bit. 
now later in his career. So I'm just a big Jonathan Frakes fan. Love it. I'm really excited for this. Uh, oh, I have a few, a few, two more pieces of trivia. Oh, oh beyond sorry, sorry, sorry. beyond the voice acting, which you're you're right. Most of his post Star Trek work was either voice acting or executive producing and directing. Good for you, Jonathan Frakes. Okay, two two more trombone facts, and then I want to read you. <laughs> I know. I can't get over it. I love it so much. I love that they're specifically trombone I am such a band nerd, and I love that he is, too. And then I'm going to read you off the IMDb trademarks of Jonathan Frakes. Just get ready for this. Okay. So, first trombone fact was that he appeared on the 1994 Fish album, Hoist, playing trombone on a title track, Riker's Mailbox. <laughs> and the other one is I don't know if you know this piece of Star Trek trivia, but Brent Spiner had a 1991 album called Old Yellow Eyes Is Back, which my brother definitely had, and we listen to all the time. Riker appears on Riker, Jonathan Frakes <laughs> appears on that album because he was a member of a group called The Sunspots, which was a uh, vocal backup group of Star Trek cast members. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Okay. So this is what, these are the seven trademarks that IMDb lists for Jonathan Frakes. Get ready. Number one, deep resonant voice. Yes. That's true. Number two, deep authoritative voice. Oh, nice. Number three, blue eyed stare and mischievous grin. True. True. Wow. I have a type. Uh Sorry. Continue. Four. Commander William Riker on Star Trek Next Generation. Yes. Number five, as previously discussed, the voice of David Xanatos on Gargoyles and Gargoyles the Goliath Chronicles. Which he builds an armor. So he's basically evil Tony Stark. Continue. Uh, The next is towering height and slender frame. Towering height and slender frame. (laughs) And the last, more often than not, sports a beard. And just just so that everyone on the podcast knows, shortly before Fact or Fiction, there was a, another uh, paranormal show that he hosted for a season that got pulled from air because they this the show was being accused of ma- basically making up a, a Yeti video that that involves some skiers, um, and it was called the Paranormal Borderline which also appeared on UPN and then they went on to factor fiction. So I think that we will have to end up finding the paranormal borderline as well, but not today, not today, my friends. I love that. And I do know that, you know, paranormal and sci-fi and things like that tend to go hand in hand. So, um, you know, maybe these are the types of roles he was being offered, but I like to think maybe he has a little interest in it. And that's why he was like, seeking oh, it's gotta out be. Hosting it. gotta be. Okay, so listeners, what we did prior to recording um, is we flipped a coin to see uh, who would tell the stories this week and make, and then who would make commentary and then end up having to guess which are fact or fiction. Because the format of the show is there's like five short stories or so, and then at the end, they tell you whether or not they were real or based on actual events. Fact or fiction. And what did fate decide, Katie, with the toss of a coin? Fate decided that I would be telling the story this week and that M.M. would be guessing. That M.M. would embarrass herself 
immensely by guessing about whether these stories are fact or fiction. Or fiction. And I definitely uh, remember, I remember watching the show, but I completely forgot the format that they tell you at the end. So technically, we both could watch them and then just not watch the results. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see. when I'm editing, if it's literally all me talking, um, we might have to. <laughs> People love the sound of your angelic voice. What can I say? I mean, do they, though? Um, <laughs> I do. Considering Julie says, adjust your volume. Um, I love you, Julie. Uh, so, so do I, Julie. <laughs> I have the voice so, of an angel. She, uh, and then you have a voice for radio. Yeah, Katie, yeah. you are also there. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Uh, This was season two, episode one, which originally aired on January 23rd, 1998. Listeners, if you would like to watch this, it is on Amazon Prime Video. We have five stories this uh, this episode. Oh, man. The plane, the gun, the portrait, the pass, and the collar. But first, since this is our first episode, we also get, uh, I will describe for you the opening of the show, which is- Please do set the stage. Chef's kiss. Okay. One, it's all in full screen, because again, this is quite old and was, um, you know, shot in the 90s. Sure. There's chandeliers with candles and not like electricity and mummies. And you hear mummies? Things are mummies. mummies. Not just like mummies. At first, I thought they said mummies. mummies. And so I was imagining like a pirate's chest with all these gold coins, but no. Piles piles of money. Like Egyptian (laughs) mummies. Yes. But they're like, it looks like they're just sort of like chilling in. like Iron Maiden shaped things, so like the sarcophagus just... thing. Yeah, but like it's it's very they're not they don't look Egyptian. They just look like here is a a body that has been wrapped in something and then it's standing up against the wall. <laughs> oh, it, okay, sure. Uh, and then the quote: "Things aren't always what they seem to be. Some things are beyond belief." I love it. And then at one point, like, there's things, there's, like, just words flashing on the screen, like, love, fate, hope, destiny. It's like a word cloud that's just popping. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's, like, you see a shot of a Ouija board. You see a couple dining on the beach, but then a waiter is there, and he pulls open the cloche over their food, and it's, like, bats come out? Um, the narrator is Don LaFontaine, whose voice is like the original in a world. So you have to imagine all this in, in a world okay, voice. Okay. And then at the end, produced by Dick Clark. Oh, R.I.P. At the beginning. So the format of the show, apparently, as I'm now remembering, is Jonathan Frakes introduces the show. He kind of introduces a theme. I don't really honestly don't see the how the theme goes through all of the, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so what is the I theme? Think the theme well, so he shows that drawing, and I'll find a copy, and I'll link to it in the show notes, where it's like, is it an old lady or a young lady? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And he says, you know, this drawing has been baffling people for oh, nearly a century. Um, is it a fashionable young lady or an old woman? I very much appreciate him not saying crone. And then he talks about, you know, the, the, the perception, how it's just a difference between young and old. But not all of these things have anything to do with young and old and a shift in perception so i don't know but that was our intro was this little you know it, it's kind of that, that that drawing that's like is it a duck or a bunny but got it it's a is an old lady is a young lady so story number one number one commander Riker, the plane and so 
Frakes introduces, he has his, his intro and his wrap up every story. And those are my uh, favorite parts. Not just because I had a massive crush on him, but because they're hilarious. Okay, so he's doing an intro and a summary. And in between, is it like the old school Unsolved Mysteries where there's like actors acting? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's credits okay. for every single one. So it says the plane and then you see the actors' names for every single one. Frakes introduces the story. There's a mannequin in a pilot's outfit and he puts some wings on it and basically Jeez. says that Michael Rader's father was his hero. He was a pilot. That's pretty much the intro. Uh, so... <laughs> fact, fact, fact. Fact. So... We're now in our reenactment. We see a little prop plane landing. There's a picture, an oldie tiny picture of a guy in a pilot's outfit in the cockpit. So you're like, that must be the dad and Michael must be flying. Michael had not landed at this airport, very tiny airport in a while. Um, it's somewhere where he used to go quite a bit with his dad. As he lands, the plane is leaking something. <gasps> it's not a lot of liquid. It's brown don't know what it is that's not good um, tiny little puddle so he heads into the sky diner um which is a diner slash air traffic control area you're you're saying airport? that like you're not familiar with your local sky diner at the SeaTac <laughs> airport like why why are you acting as weird so he goes into the Sky Diner because Roger who owns the Sky Diner is like this old friend of his dad's you know Roger and he, and Michael is going to run an errand for him. He has a package that he wants to ship somewhere. And so Roger has to... a package he wants Michael to ship. Yeah. Take on his little prop plane and take where he wants it to go. Doesn't okay. want to pay those uh, oh, FedEx. So this guys. is like a Northern Exposure where Maggie runs sure. a mail plane. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So. Um, is it drugs? Then. <laughs> I mean, it does seem very shifty. Thanks like, right? for doing this errand for me. <laughs> Michael comes in. Uh, Roger gets him some coffee. And uh, Roger proceeds to say, seeing you up there like that reminds me of your father. Because that's what you want to do to people is just bring up their uh, dead relatives. Yeah. Michael's just like, yeah, you know, I miss him every day. Da, 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 da. So Roger leaves to go get the package of drugs. And then... <laughs> um, Michael looks at the wall of the Sky Diner and sees a photo of him with his dad. He's like a child and his dad. And then he has like a flashback to his dad's plane crashing. And like... Oh, his dad, see... his dad died in a plane crash? Is that what we're Appar finding out? Apparently, oh. apparently. You see like a crash and then you see a woman screaming. I think we're supposed to infer that the woman is his mom. And I'm like, did the plane crash in their front yard? Like, why is the mom there? And then the son is also running across a street to where the plane crashed. Oh. And then they're like screaming and... So then cut back to Michael and he's just like staring off into the middle distance having this little flashback. And then you hear an inner monologue from Michael where he says, um, shortly after that photo was taken, um, his father gave Michael his wings and he was so sad when he lost the wings a few years later. Mm -hmm. Fact. That is a um, fact. He was sad. That is a fact. So then you hear a plane taking off. And you, and then Roger goes, Michael, is someone taking your plane? And Michael, like, you know, shakes himself out of his reverie and looks outside and his plane is taking off. Why did and he I'm leave like, the keys in the ignition? Who knows, man? Lock your so plane, my, Michael. <laughs> so Michael runs. He does not leave the diner. 
But he runs over to an air traffic control microphone and is like, bravo, whatever. Like, do you read? Like, trying to be like, dude, what the fuck? But, like, whoever, if you're someone's stealing a plane, are they going to respond? Or no. are they just going to be, are they going to be Han Solo? Uh, everything's okay now here. We're all <laughs> fine, you know? I think, I think the answer is you don't answer and you just keep flying the plane. Okay, so they, Roger and Michael run outside, mm. and they're, like, looking at the plane taking off. They're like, what the hell? Waving their hands then, to stop him. No. Michael looks down, sees the puddle of mysterious liquid that has leaked from the plane, and goes, whoever took it is in trouble. It's leaking oil. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Okay. So I hope Michael has some insurance on that plane. So the plane is just kind of doing circles and, like, doing little drive-bys. It's not, like, running away or anything. Taunting. And then it starts to go, like, climb and Roger's like, he's not going to be able to get out of that. And then it just sort of turns, dips, and crashes into the ground. Fiery blaze. They all run up to it to, like, re- rescue the thief. And there's no one in the plane. No one in the plane. Ghost plane. Michael, like, tries to open the door, and it's really hot. And he gets the door open, and there's no one in the plane. But around the controls is a chain with the wings <gasps> on it. Dun, dun. Wow, End of story. ghost so, plane saved his life from the leak. So, um, his so, dad said, "I crashed a plane once. I can do it again <laughs> to save my son." <laughs> so we get laser transition because that's their sure. big transition oh, is lasers, and then classy. we get the Frakes wrap up, which is: Did this story really happen, or was there like an autopilot situation? And literally, the wrap up is: Did the story really happen, or is it a flight of fancy? Oh. Um, <laughs> Good end of, dad joke. Uh, end, end of story. Wow. So that's story one. So do okay. I do I guess now? It is up to you if you'd like to guess now or save all your guesses for the end because who knows, you might not want to say, you, you might say true, 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 and then you'd be like, these can't possibly all be true. So if you want to like hazard a guess now and then you can change your answer okay. you before you lock them in. I know they can't all be true and that one is definitely not true. I'm putting that in the oh. not true. I'm putting that in the fiction okay. category. Okay. Okay. Are you keeping a running tally of my answers? I will keep a running okay. tally of your answers. Okay. You know, here. the thing that really got me was the uh, Sky Diner. <laughs> How I was so in disbelief that it's just a diner right there. Diner like, slash it, control as, tower. As if as if it's a truck stop. Like, <laughs> just right there, right by the runway. Well, uh, also that anyway, Roger so, was just like so open about his, his drug business. So, story two. The gun. Uh, our Frakes intro is that he, so he's in this mansion. Yeah. That's like where like Frakes, it like lives in this show. With There's the mummies like and the candles. Okay. With the mummies and the chandeliers and stuff. Uh, and at the beginning of each one, he has some sort of prop. So the last one, he had the mannequin that was dressed like a pilot. Now he's got a lockbox and he goes, um, he gets a little political actually. He goes, a lockbox, a good idea if you're one of the 70 million people who have with a gun in your home, whichever side of the gun issue you fall on, it's a good idea to keep yourself safe. So he p- takes a gun out of it and he's introducing- What kind um, of a gun is he talking Like It's like a revolver. Um, oldie timey. So, eh, not like oldie timey, like oldie timey, but oldie timey like- Okay. It didn't come 70s. with the house is what I'm saying. No, it didn't come with the house. <laughs> okay. It's it's like a it's like an old cop's gun. Okay. All right. He takes it out and he introduces Tom North, who is not the main character of our story. I'm about to get okay. talk about the patriarchy in a second. But he takes the gun out to be like, you know, 
Tom North had a gun just like this and he has his finger on the trigger and I'm like, bad trigger discipline. You're not supposed to have your fun finger on the trigger ever unless Actually, you're going to fire. just talked about safety. Good stuff, Jonathan. <laughs> and like literally ever since, I forget what I was watching where someone like was doing commentary and brought up trigger discipline, but like that's always what I first notice always on like crime shows mm-hmm. and things like that now is if someone's walking around with their finger on the trigger, it's bad trigger discipline and it bothers me. <laughs> Listen up. Um, I am not a gun owner, nor do I like firing guns. I don't know why this is like the thing that like twigs me out, but like you're supposed to keep your f- finger near the trigger, but not on well, the trigger. Like, and it only goes on the trigger when you're ready to if, fire if it. If you are a gun owner, you should be a responsible one. Correct. But considering he's that. holding a prop, you know, I, I, I'm i not shitting Was on it a prop? Breaks. Fact or fiction? Learn about Tom North. He has had this gun. This is his father's gun. His father was a cop. It was their neighborhood was always safe and secure. But recently there's been a lot of break ins, including their next door neighbor. He's had this gun. He keeps it in a lockbox. He knows how to use it. He keeps it up. Um, But he wants his wife, who is never named and who is the main character of this story. Um, (laughs) So the wife, um, he wants her to learn how to use it. Capital W. Just like how what's her face on Big Penny on Big Bang Theory never got a last name. Well, until she got married. Um, so, um, he wants his wife to learn how to use it, and she's just like, uh, she's not really into guns. She's afraid she's just going to shoot like, herself. Respect it makes her very her nervous. Opinion. If she doesn't want to learn how to use it, don't make her learn how to use it. Her voiceover says, "I'm not as strong as Tom. Oh, I don't up. know if I could pull the Stop. trigger." So. You are strong. You are beautiful. You are an independent woman. You can do what you want to do or not do, the wife. Listen, the wife. (laughs) Listen, the wife. (laughs) You don't have to do what Tom North tells you to do, the wife. Wife North. We break out of our little intro and they're in their kitchen. Tom North has a bald head and then he has like the monk ring. Stop. Okay. But he has grown out the monk ring of hair. Nope. He has. So it's almost a mullet no. it's like curling around the no. back of his neck a no. little bit so mm-hmm. it's such a weird choice to have and made. how old do you think uh tom north well i'm not sure because they say that their kids are all out of the house okay okay um so probably like early 50s okay all right let's let's go with that the wife is just talking about how the drakes like woke up to find the burglar i assume these are their neighbors uh the burglar rifling through their stuff and oh my goodness, isn't this so scary? And as she's talking, you see Tom, you know, get all gruff. And he goes and he gets the lockbox, which looks like a fucking toolbox, out of a closet. And like brings it down and puts it on their kitchen table and starts getting out the gun. What's he going to do with it now? Like, I don't know. And then, um, you know, he, he's apparently going to be traveling for work. He like got promoted and he's going to be traveling for work soon. And he talks about canceling his trip. And the wife is like, no, no, no. You know, we wanted to get promoted. And she's like, I'll be all right. And he holds up the gun and he goes, I'll make sure of that. Oh, jeez. How about you get um, a security system instead, Tom? And then she goes, I'll probably, just, you know, she's like, I might just end up shooting myself. I don't want to do that. And he goes, don't worry. This gun only shoots bad guys. Um, how many times has she told you, Tom, that she does not want to handle, carry, or shoot this firearm? Listen to Mrs. Tom. So then she goes, I don't understand these things. And I'm like, oh my I'm God, just a woman um, with a lady brain and it's pretty tiny. So he does take her to a shooting range. We don't see this. This is just mentioned that they're going to do this. So she gets familiar with shooting it. 
We then cut to uh, her waking up to breaking glass and she hears like fumbling around. She calls 911, but there's only a dial tone. So it's not that her phones are dead. It's that <laughs> nothing happens when she dials 911. I hate it when so that then, happens. Oh my God. So then she reaches into her open bedside drawer where the gun now is. Uh, grabs it and walks down to like the stairwell. Listeners, I'm like pantomiming. She this is. Out. It's we great. Might... <laughs> I'm watching it. It's fantastic. We, we might have to pivot to video. Shall so we... she's pantomiming. <laughs> she whips around the corner on Charlie's a uh, angel on, like, style the, with that finger on guns. the landing and goes screams no and starts firing and you and you can see that there's bullets in the gun. But it just doesn't fire. And so it's like the little chamber is just going around and around and nothing's firing. And she screams because the gun's not working. And she wakes up. Oh, my God. It's a dream. So. I wish everyone could see my face right now. <laughs> not excited about a trick dream sequence. They so, ate up airtime with a trick dream sequence about. Gun- oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. So cut to Tom has left on his trip. They prayed for this promotion. Stop. He's gone. Stop. Promotion with a so, capital P. She wakes up in real time now and she goes, and you hear a voiceover going, you know, my premonition came true or whatever. So she wakes up, uh, she hears glass and fumbling around. She gets the, dials 911, dial tone. She gets, I feel like they just reused the same footage. She gets the gun out of, <laughs> out of the, uh, the bedside table, walks, you know, does the, walks around the corner, um, bad trigger discipline, turns around and you can very clearly see at the bottom of the stairs, instead of a dude covered with a balaclava, it is a teenage boy. You can very clearly see this, but she's very afraid. She screams no and starts firing. The boy turns on the light and goes, Mom, it's me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she doesn't stop firing. <laughs> oh, but the gun also doesn't go off over and over and oh, over again. Oh, because he's not a bad guy. She goes, oh, no. And then the son runs up the stairs and hugs her. She drops the gun. The gun slow-mo falls on the stairs and then bounces on the stairs and goes off and fires and kills a burglar who was also stop. there. Stop, stop, stop. No, stop. I am so pissed off at this story. It had better be fiction. (laughs) Cut to Frank's wrap up. For anyone who watched the MTV reboot of Teen Wolf, the teenage son is a young whoever played Peter Hale. The shitty shitty uncle. So you were advocating for him to get shot. I just honestly assumed when she dropped the gun and it was slowly twirling around and then it started shooting, it would just kill both of them. But But apparently the show's not that dark. It's going to magically kill... But the, the all-knowing husband said it only house. shoots bad guys, so it couldn't okay. have shot the son unless he was so, a bad guy. So we get Frake's wrap-up where he gives the different options, right? Sure. So he goes, did this gun have a special safety feature where it would oh. only shoot enemies? <laughs> 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 or was it only fired by a writer's imagination? That one. That one. <laughs> oh, so this one's false too. Okay, okay, okay. Gun. If... <laughs> I'm so mad at that story. I'm mad that people, somebody wrote that. I'm mad people acted in it. I'm mad that there was a boardroom of men who sat around and said, yes, let's go with this story. And I'm mad that Jonathan Frakes deemed it worthy of his time. I'm mad. (laughs) And the wife doesn't get a name. 
I'm mad the wife doesn't get a name. I'm mad she has a tiny lady brain and no muscles. She doesn't know if she's strong, literally physically strong enough to pull a trigger. Not emotionally strong enough, but physically strong enough. I'm mad that his promotion came in front of her safety and well-being because he was so freaking concerned with all the break-ins and what happened to the Drakes, but not so concerned that he's not going to still... You know, go on that work trip because he really I mean, cares more he about money. He offered to cancel. He offered to cancel, and she said no. Well, let me tell you, go. they're true Americans. They care more about money and uh, their guns than they do about actually like taking care of each other. So fantastic. Moving right. on, burn Moving America. On. Here's some aloe, Third. America. You need it for that sick, sick burn I just gave you. Third story. Okay. The portrait. Let me take a deep breath. Let me take a cleansing breath. <laughs> If, you, if that one made you mad, I don't know what you're going to think about this one. Oh, so, no. uh, Frank's intro. Uh, there's a portrait of a, like an older lady is his prop. Is it time. a painting? Is it a painting? Like a it giant painting? It is a painting. painting. It is a giant painting. Okay. Um, old lady, young lady? Talks, is it the older. hag? Is it the crone? It, it is not the, it is a lifelike portrait okay. of like lady in a velvet dress okay. on a chair. Is it in a giant golden frame? Probably. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my notes do not note the frame. This is um, what so, I see in my imagination, so I just assume that's what's happening. Yes. Okay. So, Frank's intro. Um, he talked about how, like, portraits have a certain power to them, and, like, why do the eyes always follow people? And then William Corzine was a painter who he used to be a landscape painter, but he delved into portrait painting, and it unlocked a certain power with him. And does art imitate life or death? <laughs> So, oh no! Okay. Uh, actual. So, Frakes is the voiceover for most of this story. William has this special power, and people never seem to pick up their portraits. So you see him cut into his studio, and he's painting the old lady portrait we saw in Frakes's mansion. Oh, which I love the idea that like I would love it if this mansion was real and not a set, and he had all of these like haunted objects, <laughs> and it was just like is like he just stored them all, much like the. Um, people from the conjuring yes i would um, pay to go on a tour of that house if it exists but you know quick, quick question so is this like oldie timey painter studio or does it look like more recently modern recent totally like recent as of the 90s okay it's All like right. concrete it. floor yeah okay i'm there with you okay. so he's painting this old lady's portrait he goes i'm done and these portraits by the way are fine they're not like <laughs> they're fine Okay. They're not like George W. Bush trying to paint dogs. It's not like, like that lady in Spain who tried to touch up the picture of Jesus. No, and- <laughs> no, no. It's not, it's not potato Jesus. Okay. It's like, imagine fine. a good high school portrait assignment. Okay. All right. It's fine. Like it, it looks like her. It looks fine. He did the job. The back, yeah. The background is okay. like just all one color. We're not going to um, hang it in the Louvre, but it's fine. It's fine. If, if, if you commissioned that portrait, you'd be like, that's that me. me. Okay. He's painting her portrait. He says it's done. And he goes, are you going to take delivery on Monday? And she goes, but that's so soon. And (laughs) and he goes, would you like me to postpone it? And she goes, no, I just didn't expect it so soon. Cut to a room full of portraits in his studio. And his assistant is like hanging it. And it's like, and Frakes asks, why don't people ever pick up their portraits? He's like, is this wrong what I'm doing? And his assistant goes, you have been chosen. Cut to now he's painting a guy who's just sitting there and coughing a lot. <laughs> Rona. So where the Rona started. Okay. Got oh, it. Oh yeah, for sure. Got it. 
Um, so he's painting coffin guy. Or is he really dying of TB and like, we don't know. And he goes, and the coffin guy's clearly struggling. And then he goes, don't worry, I'm done. And the coffin guy comes over and looks at it. And like, he again says like, well, you take delivery on Wednesday or whatever. And the insinuation being that the portraits never get delivered because when he says, will you take delivery on X day, that's the day these people die is the insinuation. If he's, okay. If I'm painting your portrait and I say, sure. it's done. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't they just take it then? You'd think. I would. That's not how magic death paintings Sorry, are. sorry. I'm, so- I'm just not familiar <laughs> with magic death paintings. Okay. So uh, a young lady comes in mm. with a very Jermack bounce back, beautiful hair like Bob, like very Terry Hatcher. Oh. And Clark. <laughs> so she comes in and she's like, I need you to paint my portrait. And he's like, I'm sorry. This is a private studio. And she's like, I don't have a lot of money, but I like really need you to paint my portrait. And he's like, it's not about money. I'm just very selective about who I kill with my death painting. Right. No, right, he, right, said, right, right. he says like, I'm selective about who I paint. Do you have a secret she, illness you haven't told me about? Maybe then I can paint your portrait. She goes, Mrs. Watterson said you would help me. I think old lady was Mrs. Watterson. So I don't know like who uh, Mrs. Watterson is telling before she dies via painting. That like, by the way, I found a magic death painting. Young but- lady. If you want to join me in the afterlife, go find this artist. So she sprawls out on a little settee and he like, you know, paints her and he's, she goes, when can, Ew, it's beautiful when can I take it home? Is he painting like one of his French girls? Ew. I mean, she's dressed. It's, just, okay. it's more like, imagine as imagine a chaise with like the little, yeah, you know, I little know, thing. I got it. And like she's perched a little bit and she goes, it's beautiful. When can I take it home? And he's like, you could take delivery on Wednesday. Um, she leaves. Next up, the police show up. And they want to talk to him about Michelle Taylor. He's like, huh? And he talks to them. And apparently she wasn't sick. And she just had gone through a bad breakup and wanted to die. And so misused his painting power. She had died under mysterious circumstances. So he is like talking to his assistant and is just like, I killed her. Like... She, you know, she didn't have a sickness. Like, what is this power that I have? What is this unbridled um, power? So then Frake says, and then he painted his best portrait yet, his own. Oh. And so you see him painting a self-portrait. And his assistant finds him the next day where he had died of a heart attack in front of his portrait. Oh. Um, I w- end of story. I want so, that one to be true. So, uh, <laughs> so is, and then like Frakes is like, is this, uh, you know, a true story of someone with the power to, like, take lives? Or is it a tale of artful deception? Da-na-na-na! Oh, freaks. Freaks. All right. End of tale. So that's number three. That's number three. True or false? I want it to be true, but I may revisit it depending on the other two. Um, yeah, you'll have a chance to lock in your yeah, answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, re- I'll read just Philbin you. Because yeah. at this point, I really do feel like that is, pro- that is also fake, but I've also given to fakes in a row so i feel like it's owed a true and and, and it would just be a fun superpower to have like what a ridiculous superpower that i kind of <laughs> want it to be true do you know what i mean it just it reminds me of not to bring up heroes again this is now a heroes podcast Basically. but like in the first season of heroes santiago cabrera was like one who painted the future yes 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 the first right? and only oh. season of, of heroes that i recognize yes yeah 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 um the save the cheerleader season yeah, yeah. But he ended up, like it ended up being like a useless power. Then yeah. fucking Zachary Quinto kills him. Yeah. So who knows, man? All right. So story number four. Number four. Number Pax. four. Uh, Frank's intro. He like holds up a bunch of like 
all access passes to like concerts and he's like the all access pass like it gets you in where other people can't go and it's so cool and then he holds up a medical pass and he's like except at hospitals Shut where up. it gets you into like places where you shouldn't go shut up all right freaks that was a bit of a stretch so that was his prop for this time bad right. transition bad transition this is possibly the worst acted one love um, it it's also like teen boys so you can get why it's the worst acted one okay. so uh, our voiceover this time is Kevin. Kevin and Eddie are both in the hospital. Eddie's mm-hmm. father is like the person who runs the hospital. And they're both bored and no one knows what's wrong with Eddie. He's going through all of these um, tests. They give it up at already and Kevin goes, I found out he had a heart murmur later. So you see these two boys and they're flipping through the TV in their room. Kevin's like, Eddie, would you stop it? That's so annoying. And Eddie's like, uh, there's 99 channels and nothing's on. Kevin has... You can't even call them frosted tips. It's like his hair was bleached at one point and now it's like half root, half bleach. So fucking cool. Yeah, man. Like clearly a skater dude. The father, uh, Eddie's father comes to visit and be like, don't worry, I have to just go pick. I'm going to go pick up your mom and Chad. You get to leave tomorrow. And they're like both uh, the boys are both so bored. Uh, father acknowledges Kevin is like hi Mr. O'Donnell and like they're you know they're all talking I mentioned this so you don't think that like Kevin's a ghost um maybe maybe they all see dead people I don't know while the father is talking to Eddie and they have a nice little relationship no one's mean to each other or anything but Eddie's got to stay in the hospital one more day Kevin notices the director's pass in his coat and steals it so (gasps) father leaves and then Kevin's like, now we can like go all over the place. And Eddie's like, why would you steal my pot? Like, I'm a goody two shoes. Like, no, we're not going to do this. And Kevin's like, we're both really bored. Let's fucking go have a good time. And I'm like, where is everyone in this hospital? Hospitals, like not everyone leaves the hospital. So the idea is that they are going to leave the hospital for a joyride. They're just going to go, they're just going to go around the hospital. They're going to go like somewhere in the hospital. They're not allowed to go with this all access. Yeah, because that sounds like fun. Most of the places in the hospital, you can't go it's a good thing that you can't go there. Although, hey, you know, based on what we saw at the Capitol this week, maybe if you just go, they'll just, just open the door. In. Like, who cares? Who cares? Do you see Do you see that TikTok where it's like, it's like a woman. She's just like, what are you doing here? You can't come in here. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to go. I'll link it in the show notes, guys. Nice. It's, it's like as... As serious and as awful as the actions were, like, it's spot on. It's so, it's, it's a good, the, the TikTok teens really knocked this one out of the park. I Way to go, you. Gen Z. Um, Way to go. Okay. So now they have this hot, hot, all access pass to the hospital, like the teens, all like every teen wants. So they're going to go rip it up. They're going to go wild in, in the hospital. Uh, so they go to the morgue. And, of, like you um, do, like you do. Sure. <laughs> you know. First off. Do you want to see, very stand by me. Do you want to see a dead body? You know, nope. like. The answer is always you know. no. No. The answer is nope. no. Kevin makes fun of Eddie for being scared and like, oh yeah, I forgot you're afraid of dying. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Thank you. So Eddie wants to leave, but Kevin's like, no, like, let's look who's in door number one. And like, he Ew. pulls open one of the things. And like, b- before he could open the body bag, someone's coming. So they both hide. The person wheels, the orderly wheels a body in and just leaves it in like the middle. And it's in a body bag and like then leaves. The boys come out of hiding and Kevin's like, we're not leaving until you open this body bag. Why Um, is Kevin calling all the shots here? Kevin, I mean, he's the frosted tip douche. I don't know, man. Who made Kevin in charge? Eddie? 
It's a bad decision on your part. So Eddie's like, God, fine. If I open this, can we go? And it's just like, Eddie, you can just leave. You don't need the pass to leave. You can just leave. You could have just stayed your ass in your bed anyways, Eddie. Kevin opens the bag for Eddie to look at this body. You open the bag? Eddie goes. You open the bag? Yes, he opens the bag. (laughs) So he opens the bag and uh, goes, here's, like he's going to say, here's Johnny. So he goes, here's, and he opens it. Kevin goes, Eddie, it's you. And Eddie looks (laughs) and it is indeed him. And he screams and Kevin faints. He screams, Kevin faints. Okay. And then we cut to Kevin waking up where he can, where he overhears nurses talking and goes, how unfortunate that the director lost both of his sons in one evening. Because earlier that night, they had gotten in a car accident and the director and his wife were both fine. But Chad, Eddie's twin brother, was killed instantly. So who they had seen gotcha. yeah. okay. was Chad. And then Eddie's heart, because he had a heart murmur, gave out upon sure. seeing. Uh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. End of story. End of story. Okay. So, so far, I would say that seems like maybe possibly the truest, even though it sounds like a really bad urban legend. Um, okay. okay. And I would like to talk for just a minute about the people who named their twin sons Ediford and Chadley. <laughs> You're like, here are these two precious, cute little baby boys. They're twins. Let's name them Chadley and Ediford. <laughs> you know, uh, those uh, family names, Chadford and Ediford. Chadley and Ediford. Thank Chadley, you very much. I'm so sorry. I'm named so sorry. after great grandfather Chadley. Of the Boston Chadleys. That is, that's a great name. And then Frakes wrap up. Did the fates conspire to take two sons away yes. from that family in one night? Yes. Or, or are we conspiring to mislead you? I mean, yes, but yes. That was okay. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Okay. Okay. Also, okay, okay. dumb teenage boys. That all sounds pro- appropriate. Like, okay, good, good, good. Much okay. better than the wife. Oh, God, the wife. So, last story. Last the story. Caller. So Frakes' intro, uh, his prop is a whole radio equipment. He's got a soundboard. He's got a mic. Um, and he's talking about, you know, if the pen is mightier than the sword, what does that say about the microphone? So he intros the story. <laughs> okay. Clive, Clive Kincaid is Clive a, um, Kincaid. I like this Clive name already. Kincaid. I, bet, I bet Clive knew the elder Chadley <laughs> of the Boston Chadleys. So he is a popular radio show host. No, and he's, he's not. like a mean one. Sorry, like, no. <laughs> he's not fiction clive is not a popular radio host so wait he's, wait he's an wait, wait i'm sorry to interrupt again unless this is okay. like early days of radio and they're like see here the allies might nope. win the war <laughs> yeah. no um <laughs> this is indeed also a modern tale no then no no fiction already okay so he is the type of radio show host that like people call in and talk to him and he makes fun of them oh that um, sounds like a lot of fun i can see his popularity so you know he's about to like he's like in talks to ghosts like syndicated etc he gets a call from a young young sounding boy and is just like the person's like hey Hey." wait a young sounding boy like like an eight-year-old or like a teen i'd say like Like a teen teen, but like but like not with a broken voice right so it's like it it sounds like like a higher pitch like like i'm a youth yeah basically like kind of creepy 
foreshadowing. Okay. I just want to ask you about your son, Robbie Griffin. And he's like, the psychos are out tonight. And he like hangs up on him and picks someone else up. And it's just like, but you can't, you didn't answer my question. And then he hangs up again. So then he gets up to go for a break, puts on an ad, goes out to get coffee. coffee. His producers are like, we're having a technical issue. We can't hear the caller. We can only hear you. Um, and he's like, who cares? Keep these psychos away from me. You need to screen them better. And they're like, yeah, but we can't hear the callers. Whatever. And then there's like a big jar of fortune cookies. Ew. And he takes out a fortune cookie and he opens it. And it's very clear that it crumbles and goes everywhere. And he's not actually going to eat the cookie. So I don't know what's going on here. And it, what a and waste, is Clive. What a very waste. Very wasteful. His producer's like, it sounds like you're talking to yourself. He pulls out the cookie and he goes, he reads it. And he goes, conscience is not the voice of God. It is the gift of God. And then he opens another one, which also just fucking goes all over the place. And then he goes, cheap cookies. All the fortunes are the same. And then he storms away with his coffee to go yes, back in the booth. they are cheap cookies. That is the point. <laughs> also, if you don't eat the cookie... Number one, wasteful. Number two, that future whatever in the cookie is not going to come true. We all know that. That's a thing. That's part of it. That's part of the magic. So he storms back into the booth with his coffee to sit down and make fun of more people. And then the producer picks up the fortune that he read and goes, no, they're not. Dun, 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 dun. So the boy keeps calling. Do you remember Robbie Griffin? He hangs up. You can't get rid of me. Psh. Why didn't you call or visit? And Kincaid is like freaking out and is just like, you don't know me. Like, why are you bringing up this name from my past? And like the producers are still like, we can't hear any of this. We can only hear you. So Kincaid goes, you know what? I'm really open with my listeners. I'll tell you. I was going through Fort Wayne, Indiana some years ago and I had a one night stand and then months later I get a call and the woman says she's going to have the baby and then the caller goes, so you never visited your own son? And then Kincaid's like, I tried once, like some years later, I was going through, I happened to be going through Fort Wayne again and I went to meet my son and I saw him like tossing a ball like a tennis ball against a wall and he looked just like me and I freaked out I lost my nerve and then the caller goes you forgot I also had a baseball glove and and Clive is like what are you talking about Robbie died last summer he's freaking out and then the producers are finally like we gotta get him out of there so they're going to go get him but Clive locks the door and then turns back and looks and near his boot, like near where he was sitting, it is a baseball glove. And the producer's like, Clive, open the door. And so he finds the baseball glove. He sees a tennis ball bounce along. And then you cut to the perspective of the producers and he's not holding anything. Uh, but he's like clutching mm. the baseball glove to his chest. But like, they're like, he just looks like he's holding his own, you know. Invisible pearls. Yeah, too. sure. Yeah. And so the producer goes, instead of like, let's open that door or anything else, she goes, we got to call Artie, who I assume is like the station manager. Clive is screaming, leave me alone. I didn't want a kid. I wanted a career. And then the, the, the caller goes, it's okay, dad. We know, we both know you messed up. And then Clive goes, my son is dead. And then the caller's like, I just want to talk to you, dad. And then Clive's like, get out of my life. And he, like, collapses on the floor, like, sad. He's not dead or anything. Oh. And, like, at this point, Artie's arrived and goes, what's going on? He's breaking down or whatever. And then cut back to, that's it. Talk to Frakes. Frakes what? is like. What? Yeah, that's it. And then so uh, Frakes goes, 
it's interesting that at 1025 that night, lightning had knocked out the utility lines around the radio station and there were no calls coming in at that time. And at 1025 is when that caller called in. And after that, Kincaid stopped his show and never broadcast again. End of end of tale. Do I believe that a, a radio personality had a breakdown on air? Yes. Do I believe a man named Clive was able to have enough swagger to have a one-night stand in Fort Wayne, Indiana? No. <laughs> so this is tough. Okay, let's, let's review everything again. All right, so we've got the plane that flew itself and crashed it because yeah. it didn't... The ghost of the father did not want his son yeah. in the plane that was going to crash. Yeah, no. And then he finds the wings. Yeah, I, I'm just going to stick with fiction on that one because I don't believe the... Uh, I, I lost the belief thread with the skydiner. Got it. Uh, then we have the gun that will only kill bad oh, guys. God. That one. I'm so mad at that one. It better be false. <laughs> so mad okay. at everything about that. We've got uh, death portraits. I still kind of, I still kind of like that just because I would like to have that superpower. Okay. I don't okay. think it's true, but I'm going to say true just because I want that superpower to exist. Then we have the all access pass and seeing the yeah. twin brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go fact on that, that one. True? Stupid teenage boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we've got the caller of the dead son calling his uh, dad Clive to taunt him. I'm going to go true on that one. Let's say true. Let's say oh, true. True. Just, okay. just okay. Uh, suspending my disbelief with the name and the swagger. Uh, you have gotten one correct. Oh, which one? Uh, so the plane. Okay. Was based on a true story. <laughs> The gun was based on a true story. I am so mad about. Wait, so based on a true? Okay. Yeah. So that's all the all the true ones are based off of something that actually based on a true story. Okay. Uh, death portrait. True story. That's the one you got correct. Nice, nice. That was the one where I was like, that one has got to be false. That's the stupidest stupidest thing thing I've ever heard. heard. And I was, and then it was like, and he was like, true. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and that's why I was looking for, I was like Google machining, like trying yeah. to find like who has, yeah, like, yeah, what the yeah, fuck yeah, is yeah. this based on? All right. Uh, all access pass. False. Aww. And radio show host called by dead son. False. Dang it. I did not have a good track record here, but I do think that'll help me next time because it's helpful to know based on a true story, meaning there's yes. some sliver in there and they have embellished. Like, like for the pilot one, like I want to know if he actually found his wings. Right? Is this a is this the Thanksgiving ghost giving you guys mm, your timer dial? Right. You know. You see, if it had just um, been him finding the wings on the airplane, I'd be like, ooh, true. But the whole taking off by itself and crashing thing, as well as the drugs in that the old man wants him to deliver, I'm like, <laughs> that seems not true. I mean, we did make up the drugs part. It was probably well, just like a gift. For what a else could it have nephew. been, Katie? Otherwise, you go, you go. USPS has got to be cheaper than True. the gas that was leaking out of the plane before it took off. <laughs> I know it was oil. Stop. I know. Ooh, so that was that good. Um, maybe we can get a hashtag sponsorship from hashtag Cameo because did I tell you the dollar amount of the Jonathan Frakes cameo when I was looking at them? Uh, for Christmas time's presents. You did not. I remember you saying he was expensive, but I yes. don't think you gave me the dollar amount. He was not the most expensive Star Trek uh, 
Star Trek actor. That would have been Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, who I think was like $375, $350 for a cameo. So based on that, so based on that was Frakes, what, like $250? He was like $245. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I was like, that's a little too much for my first cameo. I I can't, but maybe, maybe one day. I mean, Chris Hansen was $50. I mean, not to reveal what I spent on your present. That's okay. That's okay. I appreciate that. Um, Nana Visitor, which I did end up getting for my brother, was seventy-five dollars. Which I felt. I mean, that message. That message was worth it. She put some. Was there's a lot of heart. There was a lot of heart in that message. Um, So maybe one day, maybe one day, Jonathan Frakes will be saying hello via cameo. (laughs) Maybe, maybe if we are of a Patreon, we'll be like, listen, full transparency. The first $245 we make on this Patreon, yes. we are going to buy a cameo for Please, join the papaya level of our <laughs> Patreon so that we can just get a cameo for ourselves of And we would share it with the community. Oh, 100%. Post that patrons. on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, for only the papaya yes. level. Papaya level can see the, Super the husband's cameo. He's not, a, he's not a part of the papaya level. He's no. not even a regular and It was just so... It's just so funny that we were teasing him about it. And it's not like he was like apologetic that he wasn't no, listening no, to his no. wife's endeavor. He was just like, ha ha. No. Yeah, of course I don't watch it. And I'm like, watch it. Of course I don't listen to it. And it's like, but you were supposed to be guaranteed by the bonds of marriage. <laughs> that to Interestingly to enough, we've been married podcast. for such a long time that podcasting was not part of the wedding vows. Our wedding vows were pre-podcast era. Once we can travel again, you'll have to, like, do a vow renewal or something. And include the podcast um, piece. Yeah. And also so I can go. Yeah. Since I yeah, did yeah, not yeah. know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got married. Yeah, yeah. I agree with all that. All right, you guys. How did you do, listeners? Did you guess along with us? That's a really good idea. You guys should guess along and let us know. I am uh, sure everyone did on, better than I did. I am 100% sure. Let us know on Instagram uh, or Twitter at Wine Times Pod uh, how you did. Um, I am so mad that that gun episode was true. I am so mad that that was true. So I was guessing along. Yes. um, Because, again, you find it at the end. And uh, I thought that the plane was true. I thought gun and portrait were false. I thought radio show host was false. And I thought that... um, I I was, like, undecided on Teenage Boys. I don't think I I would give myself... I would give myself a fail there because I didn't pick. I, I abstained from guessing. So I was pretty much where you were. I think I was at one or two. You had two. Um, you had two. So good job. Yeah. Um, but this was fun. Like, it was fun watching it. I think it's going to be fun um, spotting who gets to, who the actors are in case there's any yes. more recognizable people. Just who got their SAG cards from being in these. Factor uh, <laughs> fiction. You know, um, kind of like if you watch old Law and Order, yes, like you yes, see who's in, you know, who's a dead body in Law and Order. Um, but yeah, good stuff. So let us know what you think. Let us know how you guessed. Everybody, um, pop a bottle with us and watch some Jonathan Freaks. 